Hi, this is Bobby Jean Brown, and you're listening to Appetite for Distortion with Brando on iHeartRadio. is Appetite for Distortion. And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 141. It is Brando coming up in just a few minutes. We... we We'll be speaking with uh, video vixen, uh, author, uh, stand-up comic, uh, just all-around funny gal. Uh, that was a weird way of saying it. I'm trying to be too funny. Uh, Bobby Jean Brown. Um, I guess if you don't know the name, and she's okay with being just known as the, the Cherry Pie Girl. Of course, from uh, the, the very famous video from Warren Cherry Pie. She's in, been in other videos for, for Great White, and she's had such a... An interesting career since then. We're going to talk about her her second book. So she's uh, many of you have already read her first uh, autobiography. Her second book, Cherry on Top, Flirty, Forty Something, and Funny as Fuck. Uh, beautiful title. And we're going to talk to her in just a few moments. But first, I want to introduce uh, my co-host for the day. Uh, he's been a co-host a few times before. Uh, author. Uh, that's not a probably a journalist. That's probably the, the proper title. Jur- there you go. Yeah, journalist. Author of my heart. Journalist uh, Matthew B. Wake for AL.com, and uh, he's uh, had articles posted uh, in, in Rolling Stone and, and Billboard and LA Weekly. Uh, Matt Wake, welcome back to the AFD show. Brando, a pleasure. Thanks for having me, man. Bobby Brown, this is awesome. Because uh, I, I thought of you, because I'm always, and I just so my listeners know, I did ask a few uh, female listeners because it would have been cool to have, and no offense to you, Matt. But I thought it would have been cool initially to have another a female uh, be as my co-host to interview Bobby. But uh, nothing worked out time-wise because you may uh, some of you may notice I, I did put this out there on social media that I was looking for a co-host for this interview. Uh, and sometimes times just don't work out. But then, of course, I thought, Matt, he's always interviewing or, or tweeting about or uh, doing Twitter polls about 80s rock. I mean, you really can't get more... Um, well-researched and, and more knowledgeable than Matthew, Matthew Wake uh, about the, that era of rock. So I figured you'd be a fun person to go along this uh, Bobby Brown journey with me. Awesome. I'm flattered and honored. And uh, yes, 80s rock is like comfort food. It's like mashed potatoes for me. It's, <laughs> it's good stuff. Right on. And before we get to Bobby, because I'll be calling her in just a moment, uh, I want to read a a fan message that I got that I wanted to share with everybody that was just, it made me smile. Because I know many people, if you follow this podcast, you probably know the main logo that, you know, is a parody of the GNR logo with my face as a skull and whatever. But I have that secondary logo that's in the Ninja Turtles uh, font. Then that was started because of me and Scotto, uh, who were both uh, huge Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fans. So this person writes, someone who is not only a crazy GNR fan, but a big Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan as well. Very cool. I've always thought it was a cool coincidence that they both broke in 1987 with the original tune and AFD. I don't think I've ever put that together. How have I not put that together? That explains so much about me. Uh, been li- I've been listening to your pod since the beginning. Found you when you first posted on uh, one of your episodes of my GNR, my GNR forum. Uh, definitely the highest quality GNR content around. I bet your podcast itself keeps people like me active with GNR, even though even when there's no news or the tours drag on. Uh, thank you so much for taking advantage of your profession and giving us fans such insane interviews. I never imagined uh, you being able to get such top-notch guests, but week after week you continue to to, to deliver. Props, man, rad and totally tubular. So wow. Thank you for that message, and uh, yeah, I'm also, uh, I can't believe, you know, week after week getting the guests I've been able to get and, and getting messages like that for about uh, three years, so I wanted to make sure that I acknowledged, I read all your messages. Yes, obviously, they make me feel good when they're all nice and fuzzy, but 
always, if you have a suggestion for the show, for a guest, or uh, I've had people say, oh, I, I interrupt my guests sometimes, and that's constructive criticism, and that's okay. Sometimes I get excitable, uh, and I just can't contain myself. That does happen. I admit that. Or sometimes someone goes on and on and on and on and on, and I got to get in there, and I got to redirect the conversation because otherwise this uh, this podcast is going to end up being like a Lord of the Rings uh, trilogy. So <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes there's a method to my madness. So let's see uh, how much interrupting I do or how many Turtles references, if any, uh, I make with uh, with Bobby Jean Brown. You ready, Matt? Do it. Uh, I was thinking this to, to myself last night, Matt, that I'm I'm texting with Bobby Jean Brown, and just just to think of like how fast time goes, just the idea of you know growing up watching her in these videos. You know, of course, Cherry Pie is Warren, the most famous one, and uh, just her being part of that that era. That I'm now in 2019 texting her. We there was no so. What would you, Bobby? What would be the uh, the equivalence of well, like a 1980 texting beepers weren't around. Were you guys passing notes to each other if you wanted to talk to, you know, a guy you were interested in? You can't sex. You can't do anything. Right. Um, you know what? Every you just had to go out a lot more. Those are the days, right? You actually interact with yeah. people. Yes, exactly. That's what we did. We literally went out every night, and um, yeah, now everybody sits behind their computers, right? You must have such a unique perspective, and that's why I love the. The title of your book, which is just—it sounds like something I may put up on uh, on J date, if if so, if need be. Uh, cherry on top, flirty, forty something, and funny as fuck. Uh, of course, the do, do do we say funny as fuck? Because I know it's bleeped out on the on the cover. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Uh, and this is awesome. Congrats! This is uh, your second book. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I'm super excited about it. Um. Hopefully you'll read it and you'll like it. So, Bobby, I was reading a, a little bit of the, the new book online today, and I was really enjoying it. And um, I was curious because this talks – this has a lot of storylines uh, in it, but one of it has is you starting to get into stand-up comedy. And I'm curious, yeah. do you yeah. think there's a certain different challenge – for a good-looking person being a stand-up comic? Because a lot of stand-up comics are kind of quirky-looking. Or, <laughs> yeah. uh, do you think there's a challenge a, a challenge in being an attractive stand-up comedian? Um, you know what? I think it's, it's becoming more the norm nowadays. I think that was definitely something of the past. Um, but nowadays there's a lot of um, more attractive people getting up and, and are funny. Um, I think that, that was just a stigma. I don't know, because I used to just say, you know, funny you know pretty girls aren't funny or they like they used to say that kind of the stuff but actually they are and um and you know they're more and more attractive all the time i i i don't know what what that's about but i mean um you know i remember when i first started uh my teacher told me you know you kind of have to dress down like like you know and one of the girls said dress like i'm um, kind of tomboyish you know because because girls in the audience don't want their men to be looking at the chick on stage. Like, it's hard for somebody to laugh at a pretty girl if she's maybe dressed a certain way because then the female part of the audience. And I was like, that's lame. I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to not do, I'm not going to not be myself. I'm going to dress however I want to dress. Not that I'm, you know, not mostly kind of a tomboy in a way sometimes anyway, but and, and I'm not overtly sexual in my dress either, but I certainly am not going to dress down because, uh, you know, I I want the girls and the audience to like me type of thing. I was like, I'm going to do my own thing. And it's worked. It's been fine. So, but yeah, I just kind of was taken aback by that at first. Like, wait, what? You know, Matt, I'm glad you, you brought that up first because that was something I noticed as well. And it's not like, Bobby, you're, gonna, you're going to dress like Ellen DeGeneres did in the 80s. Uh, and you're right. There are plenty of, you know, Natasha Leggero uh, is beautiful. Uh, Whitney Cummings. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, Nikki Glaser. There you go. She's also very pretty. Uh, mm -hmm. I, th I think it's just being maybe distracted or you're just too blessed with so much talent and or gifts, rather. Uh, like so for someone like me and my grandpa used to say the same thing. He was actually shorter than I am. I'm 5'6". He was 5'5". Five, five. He's like, mm -hmm. I have to be funny. We have to be funny to to make it, uh, to make it through. 
So I'm curious, who who were some of your uh, idols growing up, stand-up? Was that something you were into growing up, or is this just a, a, a more current um, field that you're kind of doing uh, research on and, and delving into in your life? Well, um, so I've always been a funny, quirky person, and everybody my whole life has always just been like, you're so funny, you're so funny, you should do stand-up. And I was like, yeah, yeah. So I auditioned for the Groundlings um, oh. in my 20s. Yeah, I auditioned for the Groundlings in my 20s, and I got in on the second level with my audition. And um, I was dating a musician who told me I wasn't funny, so I quit like an idiot. Aww. Yeah, so, you know, yeah, good move, Bob. And uh, <laughs> so then it was kind of like on my bucket list, like, you know, um, of things that, you know, I would have, should have, could have type of thing. And um, had this, you know, epiphany, you know, this year turning 50 going like, you know, I'm going to start checking off all those boxes, you know, because God only knows how much time we have. And so that was one of them. And um, and I just I did it. I took class. I was in class for two weeks and he was like, you're ready. And I was like, no, what? You know, what do you mean? And uh, he just forced me to start performing. And 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 that's how it kind of happened. That's just that's amazing, and it's it's important to note that Rodney Dangerfield didn't make it until he was fifty, and he, right. he is on you know Mount Rushmore of comedy. Right. So what, right. you you can kind of tell, and I mentioned the you know the title of of the book before your your sense of humor. What is the what would you say that the most of your material comes from, or the subject matter of it? Because I, I I hear there's a lot of farts in there. <laughs> Uh, no, no, not necessarily. No, I don't really <laughs> talk about farts. Okay, it says it on Amazon. <laughs> it made me laugh. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I know because I th- I have a, like a fart machine. I like to play pranks. And so that's oh, okay. where where we get that from. Like, I actually hate when people fart around me. <laughs> um, I don't think anybody's that cute. My daughter likes to do it just because she knows how much I hate it. <laughs> um, but... Literally, I am a 13-year-old boy trapped in a woman's body, I feel like. So I think farts are funny, you know, type of thing. Um, but my my routine is mostly centered around relationships and dating in this day and age at, at you know, at 50 in California with this whole new, um, you know, dating apps and, and just the situations and the messages I get or the days I may have gone on. Um, it's literally about dating pretty okay. much and and the crazy shit that i've experienced and, and i get on a regular basis um and and you know and my my thoughts on that so that's pretty much the entire set is revolved around that really how has the reception been with with other comics uh in, in the area have you been because i i'm friends with a lot of local uh, new york comedians and they could be pretty uh-huh. cutthroat at the beginning uh, and I think it's yeah. kind of like a like a hazing. You support each other, but you want to make each other funnier. So how has it been with? And, and have they been any any notable names, perhaps that you you've worked with, or are they just all up and coming, trying to establish um, themselves? Yeah, I've um, I've opened for Jamie Kennedy twice, um, cool. and I headlined in uh, Louisiana last year at Christmas. Um, like I've kind of moved up the ladder pretty quickly, and a lot of people, some people weren't happy about that, um, you know, because, I mean, literally when you do comedy, you're doing it for years and, and for no pay and all the time and busting your ass. And, and you know, they have people like me that come in and, like, start headlining two months later or open for the headliner, and nobody really gets that, but it's because um, – you know, we have a name in, in other areas, like J- Jeremy Piven, I guess, is headlining now, you know, like, and so to comedians, it's kind of frustrating. It's like, you know, we've been working our asses off, so I get their their sense of um, frustration when somebody like me comes into the mix or whatever. Um, I understand that uh, completely, and, um, you know, but it, it's just the way it is, you know, because because we have, we bring more people in. I feel like that's why the you know, the stores are like, well, we want more money. So, you know what I mean? So yeah. it kind of sucks, but it makes sense. And, you know, so I understand it all in, the, in that respect. But, yeah, I mean, if it were me, I would probably be pissed too, you know? But I think it, it comes off, at least to me right now, that you expect the craft enough and, and know to keep working on it. Because I think that's the most important thing to uh, a comedian. Yeah, you put in your blood, sweat, and tears. And it's the same thing for me in radio or Matt with writing. 
You just don't yeah. start out. You know, I don't start out in, in New York. He doesn't start out getting articles published in Rolling Stone. You got to work your right. way up. But we've all had our our path that led us to where we are now. You you do all kinds of stuff, TV, books, comedy, modeling, the uh, stuff with skincare, clothing, I think accessories. If you had to uh-huh. pick one <laughs> of these things to do, just mm-hmm. one, which would you um, I really enjoyed the reality TV. Like, I, I would love to get um, do another show, and I would like to get a biopic or a series made from, you know, my books. Um, I, like, I like doing TV. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you've had, you have the background for that with, with modeling, being in videos already, and, uh, yeah. and stand-up. Yeah, and XYZ of Rock was really, like, probably one of the most fun times of my life, and the easiest. I feel like that's what happiness is, getting paid to do, like getting paid to hang out with your friends and be yourself. That was probably the easiest job I've ever had. <laughs> yeah, for you sure. Know? No, totally. Absolutely. So I guess based upon that, wanting it to be whether uh, a show or movie based upon your, your books or just a reality show, what do you mm-hmm. think about what's uh, coming out recently in the rock world as far, uh, in, that, in that category? whether it be The Dirt or Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, I'm seeing now they're putting up pictures of the new actor who's playing David Bowie in his, uh, yeah. his new movie. So what, what, what do you like? Is, uh, I guess which ones do you like, which ones you don't like? Which ones are getting it right and which ones are getting it wrong? I mean, because I was so closely involved with the people, you know, in The Dirt, obviously, we watched it with a fine-tooth comb and was like, that never happened, and that's <laughs> bullshit, and that's what, like, what, you know, of course. And my best friend is Sharice Neal, so, you know, of course we're going to have things to say, but literally those guys had so much to tell to cram into the time frame of a movie. Um, you know, it, it is a movie. So, like, I mean, literally to be so petty about certain things, just you know, just us being goofy. But, like... Um, I don't know. I mean, I do feel like that it was kind of campy um, in the way that it was filmed. But, you know, however, that timeline was really cheesy. Like, that was the time where people were super cheesy. And I don't think that it was over the top or exaggerated because that's kind of exactly how they were. So I do think it's a good thing. I think that it's interesting that everybody's kind of jumping on that bandwagon because, to you know, remind people of that time because it'll never be that way again and that was a decadent time and it was crazy fun and no consequences and you know just a different time and people weren't famous because they were on youtube and you know it it was before computers and it just it was a different time and and people were special and things were special for their talent or for a reason and not because they had a you know a million followers because you have no clothes on or whatever, like whatever it may be. I just feel like um, it's a reminder of like a time that w- will never be again. It was so over the top and gregarious and just fun. And, um, you know, like I said, no consequences. It's um, it's cool. I mean, it's cool. It's kind of refreshing, you know, my revival as well. And I'm grateful for that for sure. Uh, speaking of back in the 80s days, Bobby, uh, the first time I can remember being uh, seeing you on TV was the uh, Once Bitten, Twice Shy, the great white cover of the Ian Hunter song. Uh, you're in that video. Um, do you yeah. have a cool or funny yeah. story about that shoot? I do. Um, so um, I was with an agency. I had literally been here, I think, you know, a couple months Um and I'd already did my very first job was the hurricane video. I'm on to you. Okay. And then quickly, you know, widespread, like, Oh, there's a new girl. I had been here two weeks for that shoot. And then, um, I did the, uh, audition for great white and they booked me as the younger version of the girl that had done it, I guess the year before. And, um, we're on the shoot and the guy who was their manager at the time, I guess, was also managing Guns N' Roses, or I don't know how what the connection was, but <clears throat> so we're doing the shoot. Alan Nevin. Alan Nevin. Yeah. So so we're doing the shoot, 
And it's where, you know, we're laying with our legs and the shark is supposed to be coming in between us. And he just comes, comes in to like, see how the shoot's going. And he's like, I'm about to play you guys the future. Check this shit out. He puts a tape cassette in of the new GNR album. It hadn't been released yet. He goes, this shit's about to take over the world. And we were like, okay. Um, and lo and behold, it did, right? Um, so I thought that was an interesting story because she was she was right about that. That is, and that's perfect. Uh, if you haven't noticed the name of this podcast, so that <laughs> that fits in right into our our theme of six degrees of of gene or bacon, anything that that connects to that that world. And you know, since uh, not to deviate too much from that, when I was looking for pictures for you to post, and of course, a cover of your of your book is on my my social media. Uh, maybe I can. If there's a backstory. I see some old pictures with you and, uh, and Stephen Adler, and uh-huh. and uh, one I believe it was it was Duff McKagan who was at your wedding with with Jeannie. Yes. So I'm wondering if you could talk about your friendships with both uh, Stephen and Duff. Yeah, he's a, he actually was there for me, not Jeannie. Oh, okay. Um, he was my friend. He was my friend. Um, so I'm best friends with the girl who was the um, maid of honor in my wedding is Tracy Michaelis who was best friends and grew up with Aaron Everly, who was Axel's first wife. And we all lived in the same building. And um, me and Tracy and, and Aaron used to come over all the time. And Tracy dated um, Eden Everly. That's Aaron's brother at the time. So when Aaron was with Axel, she would come over when, when they would always be having problems, right? And we would all just be sitting there and he would call and she would be threatening to throw herself out into the street. And he would threaten that he was going to quit the music industry and uh, drive off of a cliff after becoming a candle maker. And we were like, what the fuck? You know, (laughs) okay. (laughs) They were just so dramatic. And, um, and so I met all those guys periodically. I went to go meet them in the studio once because Tracy to this day is still best friends with Axel. Um, she doesn't talk to Aaron so much anymore or Eden, but, um, Axel and her talk every day. And, Mm -hmm. um, Megan Hodges, who is now Slash's current girlfriend, um, it was his girlfriend years ago. She also lived in our building. So she was dating Slash at the time. This is such a crazy story of Guns N' Roses. I've never even told it. Um, and, and so that's how I got to meet all of them. So at one point, so Tracy was always inviting me to parties that they were having. So, that's when I met Slash, and he and I became friends. And then Tracy used to have the biggest crush on Duff, so we started hanging out at his house um, every week. And then, you know, so it's kind of crazy how it kind of all comes full circle. But, um, yeah, so that's how I know those guys. And Tracy's still one of my very best friends, and uh, she's best friends with Axel. So, yeah. That's pretty That's pretty amazing. When... So it's interesting for, you know, what's your perspective now looking back? And these were your friends, right? And you were told they're going to be the next big thing. To ride that wave, to see them hit the heights that they've hit is – and you still had your success. They weren't my friends when Alan Evan did this. So I didn't meet them until after that. Okay. So I knew who they were or or of them, and I started hearing them on the radio. And then I got with my new agency where Tracy worked. And that's when she and I became friends, best friends. And that's when I slowly became, you know, being around that whole scene and them and whatnot. Gotcha. Okay. I want to make sure, of course, yeah. we get the timeline right. Uh, were you ever asked to be in any of, of their videos, just out of curiosity? No, no, no. Okay. No. <laughs> no. I don't know. I Because I would look for you to see, like, is she in the It's So Easy video? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. So that's a... Uh... No. Always the girlfriends or the wives or whatever. Okay. Um, and, and Flash's girlfriends always, beyond Megan, when they were thought, Flash's girlfriends and wives always hated me. Just like, you know, didn't want me to be around, whatever. My ex-husband tried to accuse me of sleeping with him. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, literally, we would talk on the phone and watch cooking shows. Like, <laughs> that, was, that was it. And then, you know, and I never hooked up with any of them at all. We all just hung out as friends. We did a lot of drugs. Um, you know, and a lot of partying, but, um, literally that's it, you know? You know, what's interesting, uh, you know, you're talking about, uh, everything with stand up and, and wanting to get back into TV. And this is something I said to, uh, Marcel Circus. She went to, uh, high school with Slash and Steven and, 
and Flea and Lois Loback, that that high school, that rock and roll high school could easily be a Netflix show. Now you're talking about all of you living in this hotel. I mean, these are stories that that would be so entertaining. Yeah, it's great stories. I mean, like Stephen Adler, for example, like he, so another girl who lived in our apartment, um, I wish I can remember the street. Uh, the street that we all lived on, but um, I bet you Tracy would remember. I could ask her. Um, so another person that lived there um, ended up marrying Stephen Adler um, that lived in our building. Cheryl, uh, I think her last name was Plummer, maybe Cheryl something. Anyway, um, she married Stephen or dated him. Uh, I forget which. Um, but so he was in, in the circle too. It's so weird how we all, all of these models and girls and our agent lived in the same uh, building in Hollywood. And like, <laughs> this is how we kind of all came to know each other. Like I never did laundry. I just bought new clothes. There was a, I had two, a two bedroom apartment. It used to be actually Aaron's side apartment for when her and Axel would fight. And I moved into it because she, you know, was going to divorce him and she moved away. So I moved into Aaron's place. So it was a two bedroom and I would just put the worn clothes in the other room and just buy new ones, which is so crazy. I didn't even know how to do laundry yet. Um, and yeah, yeah, so then when, so then when I met Janie, we started dating, I go out of town to do a booking. He moves me out of my apartment and into his house. And when I got back, I was like, what? Um, that's so crazy. And then that's around the time that, um, Steven was fired and, Tracy was really good friends with him, and she was like, you know, Stephen's so sad, whatever. And so then Janie took Stephen on um, a show with him, and he he pulled him up and played drums, and he would come over and have dinner with us because um, Janie was a really good cook, and um, he loved to, like, you know, have cook cookovers, and Stephen would come over and have dinner every hmm. every now and then. So, yeah, we all kind of intermingled throughout the years, and um, are still friends. Like I ran into Stephen a few years back and he was just like, Bobby, hi, you know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's no, no bad blood between any of us that I'm aware of. I think we're all good. I just talked to Megan the other day. Awesome. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Very cool. And, uh, since you had mentioned it, uh, it, of course, uh, Janie Lane, who it's so many years later, but I, I still want to say to you, I'm so sorry for your loss. And oh, thank you. It was ju- uh, recently, right? The uh, the anniversary of his passing, I believe, yeah. on the eleventh. And yeah. I, I'm wondering, wh- how do you f- you, you feel today? Uh, do you? I, I know it's such a difficult question or a broad question, but looking back on it uh, at this moment, do you uh, do you look at it more back fondly, or is it still maybe frustrating knowing that you know if he only had beat these demons? Like, how do you look back on it now? I mean, honestly. Um... I look back on it like, you know, with a lot of regret, like I wish I would have handled things differently or had seen things for what they really were, which was like um, somebody asking for help, you know, instead of like an ex-wife being annoyed by her ex-husband, you know, asking her for, you know, just stuff like that. Like now that I'm more mature and know the things that I know now that I did not know then, I wish I had been more aware of certain things and had was more knowledgeable of, of things that had transpired with him. And, you know, because we went through a, a while there where we were bitter and, um, but then we were friends in the end and we were very close in the end. And that's when I came to learn a lot of things that i never even knew when we were married and um, devastating. Like I was just like, I never knew this shit, you know, like, Oh my God which made so much sense. I just cried the whole way home thinking, God, I felt so bad. Hmm. And, um, you know, I, alcoholism is a really, like my dad was an alcoholic. I never quite understand it because I don't personally like it. And I don't like the feeling of feeling out of control. Um, I have done drugs in my life, but I've always wanted to at least seem like I had shit under control, but definitely never wanted to disappear or like just fade into existence. Like, um, people do when they drink out of, um, things that are hurting them. Right. Yeah. Um, instead of celebratory. And it's so hard to understand when you see somebody with so much talent and so much love and so much admiration and 
um, so much going for them and all this stuff that they've accomplished and beautiful children. And you're like, why are you so sad? What is the problem? But it's all the things that, you know, that they've been, you know, suppressing and hiding and not talking about for so many years that eventually eats them alive, I think. And, you know, or the things that have humiliated them that they don't want to discuss and are traumatized by. And as men, it's so hard to, you know, to feel that because I guess, you know, y'all are raised like, don't cry, that's weak, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, and he was definitely raised in that environment for sure. Um, and it's just, I feel like it's just hard for, you know, men to be able to feel and be themselves and say what they want to say and actually have humility and not seem weak and, and, um, you know, and be respected still and be able to move forward and be okay with the shit that happened and, and, and change and grow from that. It's very hard, I think. Um, and it has a lot to do with people's upbringing. Um, so yeah, there's just so much that I didn't learn until later on that, you know, I wish I had known and then I could maybe have been more of a help or, um, a voice of reason who knows, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I wish, I wish things would have been different. I wish I could have done more. I wish, he could have felt comfortable being open and talking about things much sooner. Um, you know, I wish he were still here for my daughter um, and, and his, her sister and, you know, still making people happy because he was a good person. Yeah. Mm. You know, he was a good person. And uh, he just, you know, had P- traumatizing PTSD from shit that had happened to him and, just couldn't, didn't know how to deal with it. And, uh, and that's unfortunate. It sucks because, you know, talent is gone and people just took advantage of him and used him and, and lied to him and led him astray and, and didn't want the best for him. They wanted to make money. And that's the shitty part about it. And I, I appreciate you being so open and honest about that. And, I know Matt knows a little bit uh, of my story, and 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 Matt had said, has had some struggles recently as well. But often on this podcast, I, I do talk about that um, depression and alcohol. And uh, yeah. uh, December will be four years sober for me without alcohol. Uh, Congratulations! Thank you. But I've always the thing is I always have to put in the, the but the the asterisk because I've always considered myself more of a of a stoner than an alcoholic. And I'm like you who really never liked the taste of alcohol. People are going to probably maybe lose respect for me. I love the taste of Pabst Blue Ribbon. So maybe it's good (laughs) that I I don't drink anymore, but I would drink to fall asleep like in five o'clock in the afternoon. I wanted to disappear. So I do unfortunately know what Janie had felt. And I unfortunately know what your, your daughters feel because my, my dad passed away from depression about six years ago. So oh, there, there's a lot, but it's, the important thing is that you have that perspective now and you're able to yeah. pass that along uh, to your daughters and be strong for them. It's just, yeah. you know, I, I look back the same way, so I identify with you as well. I look back, I'm like, yeah. I, I could have noticed this. I could have seen this. Maybe if I did something different, but that's just not right. what happened. And so right. I, I guess I'm, I'm sure you'll say the same thing. The best thing is just to remember him for the wonderful work that he did. And right. What what's interesting because I spoke about this with Rob Fasano. He brought up that uh, that infamous clip of 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 Janie on that what was it the VH1 behind the music about him. You know, I'm the cherry pie guy. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. But you seem to embrace that, and I'm wondering, you know, to kind of go back to the beginning, is that is that uh, do you embrace that, and that helps you with your like with with your being an author uh, with with stand up comedy. Because and you're, cause you're not trying to separate yourself. You, you, there seems to be no struggle with you being the the cherry pie girl. Am I am I right? Right. Or, okay. Right. There, there was a time where I was like, oh, so over, you know, people just doing that. That was me, immature me in my early thirties, right? Um, just <laughs> complaining about uh, no real problems, um, and. You know, like I said, the more I mature and get older, I, I realize, like, that's how people know me, literally. That's mm. why we're having a conversation right now. <laughs> that's why, you know, um, that's what people relate to me. They remember me as, like, and if that's going to give me 
a life currently at 50 while I'm trying to still pursue things and that's how you know me, then I'm okay with that. It's not like, it's not like something I need to be ashamed about or anything that um, no. is embarrassing. You know, if somebody, you know, connected me to, oh, that one girl who got caught, you know, with a dildo on her butt, like, <laughs> whatever. Like, okay, then that would be something I wouldn't embrace. Or Kim Kardashian. Okay. Think about that. She's famous for making a porn video or Paris Hilton. You made a legit right. rock video and kept your clothes on. Right. Is it, do you think there's a major difference in that, I would think? Yeah, well, hey, yeah. well. When I did it, it was before, you know, social media and the Internet and all that stuff. So it was just TV. That was it. Well, once people realized that they could become famous by, you know, videotaping themselves or doing whatever and doing everything that they do now, um, just just by being seen a lot or like, what's her name, Tila Tequila, uh, following every person on MySpace and getting a million friends, like, just it's just maneuvering uh, through the you know the internet and the social media like people becoming famous. Um, yeah, it's a totally different thing. I mean, but sex always sells. Anytime you're going to get naked, you're going to get liked. Uh, obviously, <laughs> I personally can't do that. But like you know, literally, uh, people are obsessed with the naked body and sex, and and it's always going to be something. You know, right on. So that was that was like the the tantalizing, you know, very, uh, that was a, a teasing sexual innuendo. It was not, you know, <laughs> that was it. And Canada refused to play it. So. Wow. It's unbelievable how time, that would be banned. That's banned. And, and today you can see something so dirty in just a commercial. Completely. Uh, it's, right. It's, it's, it's really fascinating. And it's, it's awesome to see how you have navigated yourself through all of this, through all the PC culture. And we were talking about the dirt before. You know, I know yeah. Matt and I loved it, but when it came out, there were so many. And we're not talking about the facts. We're talking about how we, the so, what we call the social justice warriors right. uh, attack it now. Like, how can they treat women this way? What are they doing? This, was, this is a timepiece. This isn't now. This is right. this is different. So you've been right. able to navigate and you know dodge all these these uh, kind of bullets to continue your career and be successful. Yeah, I mean it's been hard, and and, it, and it's hard to have to have to jump on the social media bandwagon. Like literally, you can't get a job these days unless you have a certain amount of followers and whatnot, which sucks because um, that's not you know the generation I grew up in and how we you know we we managed getting jobs or making money. So it's a whole new, it's a whole new world and it's exhausting to have to constantly be doing this. Um, I have to say, but I mean, I have to keep up with the times or else dis- disappear into oblivion. So <laughs> it's exhausting. It really is. But I mean, it is what it is. I just, what is everybody going to do if it ever just goes away? <laughs> like, I, ca- I know. Yeah. I I kind of want this social media reset. I, I think as human beings, we we deserve to have it taken away from us for a, a little while. We need a timeout mm-hmm. from it. So it's what, so it's such an obsession. Yeah. But speaking of which, are we able to maybe the social uh, the internet is good if your book is is available online as a digital download. Right. <laughs> that yeah, part of it is it, good. It is actually. Okay. It's um, available on Amazon and uh, BobbyJeanBrown.net and all bookstores. And the audio version I just got finished recording will be available next month, um, September, I think, 13th maybe, um, which is I think will even be better because, um, you know, reading it is like it's one thing to, to say it, to write it, but to have to read it, I have to feel everything. And it's a whole other level of um, – um, personal, you know, interaction with about with and about the book and the things I'm talking about. And it's very cathartic at the same time, but definitely I'm, I, I feel everything. So I feel like it's such a, a better way to go. Yeah. And uh, uh, the new book is written real well. It made me want to go back and uh, I'd read part of the first book, uh, Dirty Rocker Boys, a few years ago, but it made me want to go back and read that. Is there anything you wish you would have you regret not putting into the first book, Dirty Rocker Boys, or anything you regret leaving out? Mm, I mean, I had so many questions from people after writing the first book. 
that I, I tried to answer in the second. So okay. if there were any questions that you had from the first book, which I'm sure you did, um, know that those questions are answered in this one. Okay. Excellent. See, Matt, we're on the same wavelength. I was kind of going to ask, uh, is there any t- in, uh, tie between the first uh, uh, book and the second book? So uh, perfect Absolutely. right there. Absolutely. up where it left off. Oh, right on. Anything yeah. you think, and you can say it, you, we should find out. You can tell us if we, if we need to find out. But anything that perhaps you were surprised by or will be surprised by in, in this new book? Uh, what people will be surprised by? Yeah, let's just say like what we will be su- surprised to find out in the new book. Um, I don't know that it would be a surprise because I'm a pretty much open book. As yes, you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm so I don't think it would be a surprise or a shock. I think that if anybody who knows me has heard an interview, read an interview, will be like, oh, okay, she's just being honest. Like always, I I don't have the ability to lie about things. I overtell, I overshare quite a bit, <laughs> which isn't always good but um but at least i'm honest and i'm self-deprecating and i'm okay with my bad and good choices all the time because nobody's perfect you know oh for sure i I do want to get in a a listener question this is from uh, mason from alabama uh he writes it's lexi's mom uh you've got to ask about shooting the live dvd with steel panther yeah so if you could tell us about that What's that? Uh, I guess about the experience. How how was the experience? Uh, you know, with Steel, working with Steel Panther. Those guys are hilarious, <laughs> and they are incredibly normal when they're not in character. Um, still, very very great sense of senses of humor, but like incredibly normal. You know, wigs off. You know, regular banter, but. Um, they have the same kind of cheesy, sleazy sense of humor I have. So, you know, some people would be like, I can't believe she did that. Or I can't believe, you know, whatever. It's just like, that's my sense of humor. And it's all unjust. And I really feel like, and this is why I wrote this book too. It's like, literally people need to stop being so freaking serious. And so like concerned with everybody else's shit. And like, try to find the funny in things. Like, instead of like, always trying to find the negative in every situation and judging and picking and, and bullying and, and, you know, telling that person how to live and what they should be doing. And it's like, mind your own business, focus on yourself and try to find the funny and shit. And like, I think that you might be happier. Like that's what, that's my point of of view on things. And I feel like so many people are just like, wow, Put a you know a lamppost up your ass and lighten the fuck up already. You know what I mean? Like it's just so it's you know everything's so serious and so many problems. I'm like that's your problem. Like you know what I mean? Like there's so many worse things that a yeah. Well, could be what was mad the name? About, what know? was the name of their pedal that everyone got in a uproar about the the pussy melter or, or something? I don't know, but it's they're just fucking comedians. They had the number one <laughs> comedy album in the world at one point. And it's for good reason. It's like they make fun of themselves, that era, that, you know, that, that timeline, but they're actually incredibly talented musicians and very smart business people and have this niche, um, you know, under wraps that nobody else has done and making a fortune doing it. Like who can be mad at that? You know, like, you know, anybody that's taking that that seriously like oh how dare they you know um all the people who are 10 times in the me too, the me too movement um it's just like come on really i know people need to, need to lighten up and, and this is a a lighter question you know, you may remember you were you another person who interviewed you uh michaela buyer from uh from georgia yes. she said uh interviewing you was such an honor and pleasure and my new question Aww. is, uh, I would like to yeah. eventually do a line of rock and roll themed music boxes. And do you think a cherry pie one with uh, with a figure of you inside would be cool? Of uh, 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 what music boxes? Yeah, I guess like when you would open a music box and there'd usually be like a ballerina inside or something. Oh, well, that's, that's, bad. Bad. that's a cute idea. Yeah. I th- that's- wow, that's a million dollar idea. Michaela, you should copyright that and get that done right away. Yeah. You know that's going to sell. That's a great idea. Yeah, it's so cute. That's such a cute idea. Yeah. 
Hey, Bobby, speaking of cherry pie, I'm just curious, do you still have any of the clothes from that shoot, like the red boots, red top, jeans? No. Uh, no. <laughs> I don't. I do not. No. I think it's actually cool. uh, in, like, one of the um, hard rocks or something somewhere. Oh. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, I'm curious, who was is one of your favorite of the other quote-unquote video vixens? from the 80s rock era, whether it's Tawny Katane or uh, so on and so forth? Yeah, I, I don't really know any other ones that were considered really so much video vixens, but I love Tawny. She's cool. Oh. We hung out. We, yeah, we hung out many times. I like Tawny a lot. Um, I didn't really know any of the other girls that were in videos, honestly. I'm trying to And I just met Tawny a few years ago. Oh, um, you guys first met a couple years ago? Is that what you just said? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Wow, you would have thought your paths uh, would have crossed at some point. No, uh Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. When I think of, you know, quote, video of vixens, I really just think of Bobby Bobby Brown, Tawny Katane, and Alicia Silverstone <laughs> from the uh, the Aerosmith 90s era. I really don't it, – it, you, you're really in a, in a, you know, a rarefied air. There's, there's not many of yeah. you. So uh, that, yeah. that's awesome that, again, you're, you're using it to your advantage. People still remember – a video, yeah. a music video from all these uh, years later, and you're turning it yeah. into stand-up. You're turning it into books, and I think you're going to yeah. turn it, tune it, in, uh, t- turn into uh, into a movie or something at some point. And definitely, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, that is my goal. Um, who would you have play you? That's a good question. You know what? Somebody asked me that the other day, and I thought Amber Heard maybe. Hmm. Yeah, nice. Um, Right. And finally, uh, um, yeah, that would be awesome casting. Uh, Margot right. Robbie, maybe. Yeah, or her. That would be. She would be a great person too. Because somebody was trying to think like who looks wise and like you know personality wise, and those two people definitely um, would be a good casting. All right. Yeah, Amber Heard, totally. Um, hey, real quick, we we talked about how. Uh, the cherry pie video has opened a lot of doors and awareness for you and all these other things you've gone into and done with that opportunity. Um, Mm -hmm. So many people know that video and know you in it. What's the most surreal moment you ever had where like, holy cow, this person knows me from that. Holy cow, this person, you know, knows this video because it's one of those things. It's like Marilyn Monroe's, dress blowing up over the uh, the grate or whatever, you know? Yeah. Everybody um, knows I it. Met, yeah, I met um, Chris Rock one night, came up to me, uh, the comedian, years sure. and years ago, and somebody was going to introduce us, and he was like, I know who she is, that's Bobby Dean Brown, she was on fire search, she was, and he just went off and like, <laughs> knew every single thing that I'd ever done, and I was like, wow, that's so cool, because I was about to introduce myself. And he was like, I know who you are. And I was like, holy shit. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, you know, well, now what needs to happen is a Bobby Jean Brown, Chris Rock Netflix special. Because putting it out there in the universe, nice. that's that, that would be quite a pairing. That would be great. That would be hilarious. <laughs> I don't know that that would ever go down. I'm not quite the caliber <laughs> or genre of comedian that he is. But, hey, if he would have me, I would jump right on that. It would be a risk. I will. I would pay for I'd pay for a ticket to see that show. I know, right? I would too. Yeah, that cool. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, what is uh, to come? I'm, I'm I feel like I'm going to expect a, a third book, a fourth book down the road, or are you just kind of in promo mode and stand up mode uh, right now. What's what's on deck for you, Bobby? Yeah, um, I'm I'm pitching like the show idea that I have um, written as a series, Dirty Rocker Boys, right now currently, and um, a reality show um, in the works, and hopefully a third book. I mean, I still have many many more stories to tell. Um, definitely haven't covered everything in my life so far. Um, but if people still want to buy them and hear hear from me, I would be glad to write another one for sure. Awesome. Well, I would love to hear from you again, Bobby. This was a pleasure. Uh, you're always welcome back, even as like how Matt is doing now, uh, a co-host. Yeah. You can bring on maybe Tracy or, or anybody that you may think falls in our uh, Guns N' Roses orb, what I call my okay. my GNR-themed Bar Mitzvah Party podcast 
thing thingamajig, whatever this podcast monstrosity is. So that's the- okay. I'll reach out to them and see if anybody would be interested. I appreciate that. That's all I can ask for. But and I, again, I guess appreciate your your time today. Thank you so much. Best of luck. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. You got it. See you, Bobby. Okay. Thank you. Pleasure. Bye, you guys. Have a great day. So, Matt, I really appreciate you being a part of this episode and, and giving your insight. You asked great questions, and I love that we were on the same wavelength to some, with some <laughs> of them. And, uh, wow, I was so surprised that she told the Guns N' Roses story that she's never told before. You'd think she would have said everything. Yeah, totally. She uh, she had a good one, too. All, all those people living in the same apartment and just like the Guns N' Roses uh, Hollywood rock universe it's kind of uh crisscrosses so much so many stories and you know of, who knows how many of them have been forgotten by people you know because <laughs> of the times yeah that is for sure and that's why I, I enjoy doing this this podcast and uh an unexpected enjoyment talking to all these these people that you may know but have those fringe GNR stories that you that you wouldn't know that nobody may ask about that would have just been left untold. So uh, I just really appreciate her, her time and uh, hope she comes back. What what a, what a pleasure! What a delight uh, she was. Oh man, super sharp, super cool. Uh, you, I don't think you've heard the last from Bobby Brown. I think she's gonna do some more. You know, she's done the TV stuff. You know, besides the videos, but like the reality TV, the books. She's sharp. She'll you, she. We'll hear more from her. I bet you. And I enjoy your your tweet during the interview. Uh, so <laughs> make sure you follow Matthew uh, B. Wake on Twitter. Psst. Hey, seventeen year old me. This is older you messaging you from the future. Hang in there, kid, because in exactly thirty years you'll be talking with Bobby Brown on the phone. Yes, with the <laughs> the one from Warren and the Great White videos. Uh, that's all I can tell you for now. Also. Invest in Apple. <laughs> yeah, maybe that second part even more, huh? Yeah, right. Oh, beautiful. Uh, well, well, thank you so much for your your uh, your time, Matt. Obviously, you're welcome back uh, all the time to the guest co-host. Uh, I gave out your Twitter, Matthew B. Wake. Uh, what can we expect as far as uh, upcoming articles and or events that you're covering on AL.com or any other outlets? Yeah, so a couple things recently, the uh, Appetite for Distortion uh, uh, audience might be interested in. I recently interviewed Tracy Guns pretty extensively. Nice. Um, he, he was great um, and uh, had a cool memory of the first time he ever heard Axel sing, which was actually at a... Um, a sound check and he was just like he was like who the fuck is that because you know make the hair on your arm stand up that intensity axel has and um also talked with tammy down from faster pussycat who was also super cool um and he had a great story like i knew he worked at retail slut in uh the, the uh apparel store where slash had gotten his uh top hat but uh he it, uh, Tammy had this story of where he said he gave it to Slash, and Slash has always kind of told it like he stole it. Hmm. But um, uh, he, he had that was a good story, and um, stories about the cat house. Uh, I've got an interview coming up with Sebastian Bach here soon. Jeez, you are um, getting everybody that I've tried to get. How do I get your booking agent, Matthew Wake? <laughs> Jesus. Congratulations. I, I mean, no, you're a great yeah. interview, and uh, I know print is different than podcasting, so I, I say yeah. that uh, with facetiousness and a little bit of jealousy, but I'm, I'm happy that you're doing it. Um, sorry, I totally interrupted you. I was just getting uh, – I was like, Sebastian, because do you remember when he tweeted, stop asking me to be on your podcast? I don't think it was at me, but it's like, he just tweeted, stop asking me to be on your podcast. Uh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, you hit a nerve. <laughs> so tell me about Dude, Sebastian uh, you, Bach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, he, he, yeah, he's coming through where I live here in Alabama soon, and uh, his people reached out. And um, I've interviewed him for LA Weekly before, and he was pretty funny. Um, uh, of you know, it's like Ace Freely. Everybody can kind of imitate Sebastian Bach if you've ever heard him talk. He's just a very distinctive voice and energy and personality. Um, so I'm curious. The Guns N' Roses machine is kind of uh, getting ready to crank up again um, with these tours in the fall. I think you're, you told me you're going to see them in Austin, Texas. Yeah. Uh, what's a song you would love 
a song or two you would love to hear added to the set. It's a huge, long set already, but maybe swap it in with something else. For just a couple of things you as a hardcore GNR enthusiast would love to hear. See, this is why Matthew B. Wake is an expert interviewer. He just gets down to it. That's why Tracy Guns <laughs> agrees to interview uh, interview with, with Matt and not with me. Uh, <laughs> by the way, when you tweeted at Tracy, uh, before I get to my response, I, I, think, I think this is when I was tweeting along with the that Reels documentary that came out about GNR, and I had tagged Tracy in it because he wasn't even named. He was just mentioned as other guys. And I said, I would love to have you on the podcast. And he's like, well, I really don't do podcasts. So I'm like, respect, whatever. I'm not going to be a, a weirdo about it. And then, you know, he's doing a print interview with you. And, and I responded to you. I didn't even tag Tracy. I said, well, at least he'll do print interviews. And he liked my tweet. I don't know if he was mocking me or not. Whatever. I hope our Jewish connection, he realizes it, that how strong it is. Anyway, uh, I don't think it, it's, it's – there's so many. Because I, I want them to start – Taken away the the covers. I, yeah. I think I mentioned this last episode where, you know, I, I'm not a. I can't believe I'm talking about uh, Dave Matthews as much as I, I, I end up doing on this podcast. My <laughs> my girlfriend's laughing somewhere. Uh, but just to learn from her and her concert experiences because she's crazy about uh, going to concerts, like a lot of GNR fans are, and how he's constantly changing up the set list. And he'll do covers, which is you know he does Sledgehammer. Uh, I think he he did, he does a riff of black and black, whatever. Uh, but he offers so much, so I don't think it bothers fans. For me, I would like you know get rid of the, the seeker. Uh, it doesn't need. Yeah. To, it, 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 it's a great tune. It is. I mean, I like all these songs. I I, I love. I would maybe you know what keep Wichita Lineman. I love it. Uh, I think they they give their own spin on it. But I mean, now Black Hole Sun just makes me think of Chris and makes me sad. Uh, maybe, maybe something else. From Velvet Revolver, I think would I would be uh, excited to hear, but as far as an actual uh, Guns N' Roses song that I would love to hear, um, maybe Breakdown, uh, Ooh. Locomotive. Oh yes. I don't think he could do Garden of Eden anymore, but I what I put out there to the universe, including to to Alice Cooper himself. I mean, the ultimate would just be Alice join them on stage for the Garden. I just think that would just be. Too cool for school, as the kids say. But do it while he's alive. Get him on stage and and do the garden. I, that's that's. Uh, I think that's my number one. The garden with Alice Cooper at Madison Square Garden. <laughs> I try. <laughs> I think I said that once to the Catherine Turman, uh, his uh, his radio producer. But I'm excited to see them in, in a festival settings. I know many of my uh, setting. I know many of my listeners have uh, gone to festivals, but that's not. I think I told you off air. I've been to one Ozfest. Uh, I think yeah. that was to see Ozzy before he died. I thought, <laughs> I thought Ozzy yeah. was, was going to die back in two thousand and two. A couple warp tours because I, I just like going to see my band, and it's going to be interesting to see GNR how they're received by the same fans that are there to see Mumford and Sons or The Cure uh, or Third Eye Blind. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be interesting, but I'm excited. Uh, I hope there are AFD show listeners in, in or around uh, the Texas area, so uh, maybe we can meet up at the show. But I'm pumped. I'm pumped, man. Dude, Austin rules. Um, you, you mentioned Locomotive. I think that would be really awesome. Uh, Bad Obsession used to be really fun yeah. in the Illusion Tour you era. Know what, that, um, I change it. Other than The Garden with Alice, Bad Obsession. That's my number two. You got it. Yeah, that's a, that would be a good one. Um, Reckless Life? Yeah, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Um, I'm glad they're doing Shadow of Your Love. I think that's oh, what we yeah. Really cool. Wow, it, it smokes too, man. Yeah, I. it's funny because they've had a few versions that have come out over the years. And I, yep. I love, I mean, I know this uh, some controversy online of if some things were re-recorded. I don't know. But the, the most recent version, the one that came out with that lyric video around the time of the, the box set, I mean, I guess it just came on my playlist today. It, it just fucking kills. It's so good. So that's why I think all fans were just so anxious to see what this band is going to put out. I really believe they're going to put out something at some point. Uh, we just want to hear. <laughs> we want to know. We're so excited. Uh, and I think uh, a big example of... of 
how fans could be and what how uh, I don't know like the waiting and then once it's all released, which sounds really sexual, uh, is Tool. <laughs> I mean, with fans, all their albums are in the top uh, Billboard 200. Every single album they put out, all their albums I think are in the top. Uh, 10 at least they were that first week on Spotify when they were final, finally released so and you can argue I mean Guns N' Roses is bigger than Tool uh, and I'm a huge Tool fan so imagine what GNR could do like what they could accomplish and that's saying so much because they just had what the fourth most successful tour of all, all time right yeah man and uh the energy around that tour, not just the shows were really good and some, a lot of them were great, but like just, man, people, sh- you know, <laughs> I mean, they're filling up really big places and they keep going and they keep filling up really big places and there's tons of merch. Like, I've never seen merch lines like this. Like, people want a piece of this band. They will want, and I bet, Brando, when they, if they do a new release, I bet they'll just surprise drop it like i don't I, I or do you think they'll build it up with like a mysterious thing they kind of like to do the build up mysterious thing a little bit yeah they're, they're, it will be something mysterious or just random in a movie they're not the band uh or axel's not the person to go out and really go out on a, a press junket to talk about the tour <laughs> it's just it's just not the way it is uh and that's something it's a love-hate relationship i think with that uh because i think too many Bands have overexposed themselves, and rock yeah. needs a certain mystery element to it, surprise element to yep. it. So it's uh, we deal with it. We deal with it with uh, well, most of uh, us GNR fans deal with it. I know it makes some people angry, wishing they they did more. But I think at this stage of the game, we're we're so lucky that they're ju- that I say they're back together. Meaning, you know, Axel and Slash, primarily, I, I, honestly. Because those are the two most identifiable uh, faces to the the most average of average GNR fans are going to know who Slash and Axl Rose are. I don't think Duff McKagan, no slight to him, but the top hat, everyone knows Axl Rose, uh, that they're back together. Uh, as long as they keep going forward, it's not an, a Van Halen situation where we were kind of teased. We got a lot of out of David Lee Roth yeah. uh, coming back and a different kind of truth. I mean, we got some stuff. Uh, but that just seems like it's sour again. It, until it sours, calm down. Let's just uh, we need to have patience. As uh, uh, GNR fans need to have patience. This might be the most uh, ironic statement uh-huh. ever. So 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 yeah, man. I, I hope uh, I'm gonna. You told me off the air. I'm gonna hit you up for some uh, uh, Austin tips where I should be heading yeah. out, and you know, because uh, I think we're probably gonna go like a day early. Because uh, I want to spend a few days there. I don't want to just. Be my, my first time in, in Austin, Texas, just to be, con- uh, you know, c- come in, concert, leave. I want to spend some time there. So we shall see. Uh, yeah, dude. The two quick recommendations I will give you really quick are Wero's for Tex-Mex food and also End of an Ear for um, – uh, it's a cool record store there. Besides that, uh, the Continental is a cool – Local music, bluesy club, all three. Those would be my three. And the the cave where the bats come out. The cave where the bats is that what it's called, or there's a cave where the bats come out? There's a cave like under, or it's like a bridge actually, uh, in downtown uh, Austin, I believe, where every night like hundreds or thousands of bats come out. Like it's a thing. People That's gather. awesome. Yeah, I, I so those know. would be the four. I don't know if my girlfriend would want to do that, but I might have to leave her in the car or something because I don't know. I I, I have like a sick I, – I don't have any like fear of death or being bitten by an animal or anything like that. That just seems so – that seems so metal, you know, all these bats yes. coming out. Like, yes. Come to me, Ozzy. <laughs> so, no, I'm going to check that out for sure. Right now, yeah. Now I'm really excited. More so than the uh, Louder Than Life Festival. Now I'm excited to see some bats, to see the bat cave. Awesome. <laughs> uh, anything else we should be looking forward to? Because uh, you, you mentioned your your uh, current interviews that are out. I mean, the Tracy one did so well uh, in your upcoming interview with Sebastian Bach. Uh, no, but I have just uh, gotten an assignment with uh, a pretty cool one with Billboard that uh, it has something to do with 
a significant genre of 70s rock. Ooh, all right. We'll leave that as a teaser. So make yeah. sure to follow uh, Matthew B. Wake on Twitter for all of his great articles. You know, you're always asking really profound uh, rock questions as well. So you're you're a great follower, great co-host, and I really appreciate your time, man. Uh, Brando, great to catch up, and thanks for what you're doing, man. You're killing it, and uh, I love the guests you're getting, and uh, I love what you do with the podcast. Thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Hey, we got to talk to Bobby Brown. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, every time we, I say her name, I just still keep thinking of New Edition and, 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 and Bobby Brown. <laughs> I guess that's why she goes by Bobby Jean Brown. Uh, like, hey, yeah. were, you, did, were you married to Whitney Houston? No, to Jenny Lane. <laughs> How can you get that confused? Uh, anyway. Wanna, her book, she actually knew the R&B singer Bobby Brown. Like they were dance floor buddies or something, I guess, like out in Hollywood or something. They got to do something together. Now, that would be a re- – I should have said that to her. That would be Dude. a reality show, the Bobby Browns. <laughs> Cause he's, Dude, that's, you could, that's, that's a million-dollar idea. We're coming up with some good ones today. Uh, the, the listener, Michaela, with the uh, the rock music boxes, and, and now uh, Bobby Incredible. Brown uh, Squared Tour. Well, uh, whether it's comedy or music, I, I don't know. Just to see both Bobby Browns on stage doing something would be uh, worth the price of admission. From uh, Anyway, so, <laughs> <laughs> so that does it for episode 141 of Appetite for Distortion. Uh, thanks for, for following, whether you found us through AlternativeNation.net, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Just Google us, and you'll find a platform. And, of course, follow us on social media at The AFD Show on Twitter or on Facebook, uh, Facebook.com slash The AFD Show. So when will you see the next episode of The AFD Show? In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know as soon as the word, but you'll see it. <laughs> yeah! Security, I'm going home.